0: I'm Laura Ponicello, and this is the Writer's Creative Journey podcast. Once a month, I will talk with best selling, award winning, and indie authors, songwriters, and creative types about their own unique writing process. Today, we are live in the Divine Phoenix studio talking about creativity, and I'm honored to welcome our guest, Susan Lynn Major the author of Joyful Journeys, Sacred Pauses with God. Susan is also an inspirational speaker, retreat leader, teacher, and has been celebrated for her ability to inspire positivity in the world around her, even amidst struggle. Susan also is a mom, and we are just so happy to have you here today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Laura. I'm pleased to be here. Well, one of the things I thought that would be really neat for us to talk about is what was your process in terms of what made you decide you wanted to write a book, and what was the process of going from that idea to actually making the book a
1: reality? Well, Laura, I think I've always been a writer, and for many, many years, I wrote uh, just really out of my, my truth, out of myself, out of my heart. Uh, for the purpose of ministering to women and to moms and to really anyone who needed a source of inspiration and encouragement. So I think I began writing not with the intent of writing a book, but rather just to write. And then lo and behold, as most things do, uh, it took on a life of its own and became this book that I, I feel really passionately about. So let's talk a little bit more about a life of its own was
0: Did something in your personal life happen that made you want to have the intention to offer hope to other people?
1: Absolutely. So when I was thirty nine years old, eight years ago, I was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. It was a situation that really uh, hit us without warning, and it was a difficult journey, as it is so for so many people who go through cancer. And I think going through that, difficulty gave me a perspective that allowed me to look at what I had written previously and what I had to still write and made me see that it could give hope to a lot of people who are going through similar challenges.
0: I think the concept of hope is is such an interesting thing because if you think about it, we we live in challenging times, whether it's personal, um, politics, government just our everyday responsibilities. One thing I found in in reading your book and being part of the process of bringing it forward is you offered pathways or vignettes of positivity that made a person feel hopeful. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the concept of positivity about the concept of you really desiring people to live more a life of joy?
1: Well, yes, I think joy is really transcendent of happiness. And we hear so much in our world today, even in the literary world, about happiness. Um, You know, happiness projects and happiness this and happiness that. And, And it's wonderful. I think most of us get up in the day and we say to ourselves, I would like to be happy. I don't think people get up and say, how miserable could I make myself today? So I think, you know, that's something that we all identify with. Joy to me is something transcendent, though, of happiness. It's something we can experience even when we don't necessarily have the emotion of happiness. And so for me, I was very sick during my treatment with cancer and very, you know, frightened and and had a lot of anxiety during that experience, but still understood that there was hope. There was still a sense of peace about me, and I think that's what the joy was. It was understanding that there was something beyond me helping and guiding and shepherding me along. Well, in the writing world, some people
0: say that's uh, an extension of ourselves. So whether you say it's a spirit guide, an angel, a presence that offers us Something to gently push us forward and in those moments that you think you can't go on provides enlightenment. And I think it's part of that journey to bring a book forward and the concept of, of maybe what some would call grace that you talked about. There must be a part of you that has a spiritual connection to something bigger than yourself, hence the title, Sacred Pauses with God. What made you want to come up with that title? What made you want to weave that into the message of your book?
1: Well, in addition to you know just the natural struggle that I had gone through with cancer, I'm, I'm a wife and a, a mother of three children, and adding that on top of any kind of struggle is, is a difficult uh, endeavor, to say the least. And so I think for me to take a pause is sort of a message of of self-care, you know, to be able just to pause in our day, to pause in our experience and to say, all is well uh, in this moment, Uh, especially as you mentioned in our world today, there, there seem to be so many messages of fear and concern and worry. And I think we all need that moment just to step aside, be silent, be still, and just to take a deep breath and to say, I am well. In this moment, I am well. That was a message I really kept saying to myself, even when I was going through uh, my experience with cancer. I just really had to do a lot of uh, vocal affirmations for myself. And I think even for us as moms, that's a, that's a challenge sometimes, the difficulty of parenting and trying to do everything right, and you know, comparing ourselves to other people. And you know all of that can take on a life of its own, but ultimately we are who we are, and we're doing the best we can and so taking a little pause to stay to say, "I am well," I think is really important and and that was the the meaning I think behind the sacred pauses with God uh to tap into the strength that if a person of faith can uh with their uh divine you know leader.
0: I love the concept of a a sacred pause. I know in my second book, The Art of Self-Transformation, I talk about in the stillness, if you get quiet enough, you can hear yourself breathing. And I think when we settle into ourselves, we have clarity. There's peace that comes forward. But also as writers, we can connect with a part of ourselves that maybe is hard to do when we have such a a busy mind. Do you find that whether you're teaching to others, Susan, whether you're leading retreats, whether you're doing your own writing, that somehow in these moments of stillness, you have new thoughts
1: that come out, or how how does that impact your writing or your voice and sharing your knowledge with other people? It definitely impacts it. I, I work full-time. I teach middle school. Uh, I come home and have three children, three teenagers now. And yes, it, my mind can get very, very busy. Uh, but I think in order to, as a writer, speak from an authentic place, to speak from you know your truth, you have to be able to tap into that. And I think a lot of times that busy mind can be a distraction. And all of a sudden, we can start to perhaps voice Uh, perspectives that aren't really aligned with our true selves. So I think that we sometimes need that, that space, that stillness, that quiet, just to be able to really know what our authentic self is and what we're writing out of.
0: One of the things that I think is really wonderful about your book, Joyful Journey, Sacred Pauses with God, is that you can open the book at any page and find a prompting to help um, a person or guide them, maybe guiding force would be a better way, to this place of stillness, sacred pause. But you also, as a writer, weave a lot of very, very funny personal stories (laughs) in um, throughout the book. And I think in life, when we're writing or telling a story, the more we can share something about an experience we had, it, it grounds the book and makes it relatable so I really enjoyed that a lot, and I'm wondering, was that part of your writing process that was important to you?
1: I've always been a storyteller, so I think telling stories in my book was a natural part of who I am. But I also think it helps it helps readers to relate to you. Uh, I'll, I'll share one story that that really uh, always has spoken with people. Uh, we were going down to Florida one year to visit some friends and they had surprised us with tickets to disney world and our children were really little at the time so they were three and five and ten when we got to the amusement park our friends had taken us around and we had a very very busy first day the second day my husband and i decided we'd split up and he would take our older son to do some rides and i would take our younger girls to the animal kingdom And we would do things at a slower pace. Well, our friends couldn't believe that I was going to take my two girls by myself to this amusement park. And I said, what do you mean? i with these children by myself all the time. I certainly can do this. So we did, and all was really well. We ate ice cream, and we stood in line to get autographs, and we saw characters. And all was well until lunchtime. And if you've ever been to Disney World, you know they have these big dining halls and these lines where you go through and pick up your tray and come back and then go to one of the dining halls. So we had ordered our food, and I had the two girls with me. And we walked through the line, grab our tray, and as we're heading back, my littlest, my three-year-old, decided that she didn't want to walk anymore. I really think it was an effect of the previous day, full day, of Magic Kingdom fun. So she began to just sit down, and I stood there with my tray and my five-year-old and had a little panic. I thought, I don't have anyone there to help me. Maybe I shouldn't have brought the girls by myself, began to doubt myself, and thought I I should just put the tray down on the floor and and, and pick her up. Before I knew it, my five-year-old was gone, completely gone, and now I'm panic-stricken, So I go to put the tray down and pick up my littlest, Grace, when all of a sudden I see my daughter, Anna, walking toward us, holding the hand of this beautiful woman. And I thought, she's chosen a new mother now. That's what she's done because her mother is just too weak. (laughs) But lo and behold, this mother came and said to me, your daughter came up and said to me, are you a mom? Because my mom needs help. And I tell you something, I think that's a message that we as mothers, just as people who are so busy in our lives, we need to be reminded that there is help, you know, that we are guided by if it's your belief in your God, your enlightened one, you know, whatever spirit guide that you have, there is always somebody to and something to guide you. And we as human beings need to be encouragement for one another to do that as well. And so for me, books have always been a source of inspiration. I've loved to pull down a book from a shelf and and open it up at any time and get some inspiration. That was my hope for my book as well, that people would be able to pull it down, revisit a story, and maybe even, you know, gather something new, a new perspective with each read of it.
0: Susan, I absolutely love your story because... You transported me to that moment in time where I could see all of the people, I could see what you were going with, and the commonality of mothers helping mothers, but let's broaden that to us supporting each other in humanity, and also as writers stepping forward and, and helping each other extract their voices. Now, you said that books served as inspiration for you. Do you have a
1: favorite book? that inspires you? Goodness, I have always loved uh, literature, so I'm a huge Jane Austen fan uh, from that perspective. But I have I've read a lot of spiritual books, uh, Thomas Merton, uh, you know, uh, Richard Rohr. I've, I've read a lot of religious spiritual authors who have really given me insight into things or had me look at things in a brand new way. You know, sometimes I think We're all saying ultimately the same thing and we're giving the same message, but we're bringing it to people in a completely different form. And as humans, we need to hear it over and over and over again. And so for me, these authors that I have read really did serve as inspiration for me to be able to use my message and use what I know, which is my experience of faith, uh, to be able to hopefully inspire and encourage others.
0: I think, I think books do that. They open us up to new ways of thinking, new thoughts, and also help us to maybe look within ourselves, not in comparison because each book has its own unique voice. And, and if you think about it, we meet all different people. As a teacher, you have all different children from different walks of life. You're teaching, but there's a commonality in our concept of, of oneness for me, Wayne Dreyer, his books. Um, and obviously Louise Hay always were sparks of of creation energy where I, before I would write, I would just open up a page in their book, Marianne Williamson too. But it's interesting is I kind of evolved as a writer. I also made a shift to really just wanting to read memoirs moving into triumphant stories about women overcoming things. And then I made a shift probably back two years ago to wanting to pick a book up and kind of open it at any page for this nugget of inspiration to just start my day out. And I think the concept of sacred pauses with God that you've written about encourages people to not only do that, it encourages people to kind of incorporate that into their lives. And so when you look at who Susan is today, are you a different person from the one that wrote the book? And then the second part of that is where does Susan go from here?
1: Good question. I don't think I'm a different person. I definitely think we're always evolving. You know, we're always growing to think that we've arrived in this life is, is probably, uh, not possible, but I I think we're always growing. And so I've definitely grown through my experiences and just the experience of the book, having it published, doing the speaking engagements, uh, being able to speak with the readers and, and listen to their responses about how the book has touched their lives that can't help, but impact you and, and help you to grow and evolve. So I definitely feel I have a little bit more wisdom when it comes to the process of writing a book and and the experience of that, which has been amazing. And now I I move forward to write my second book and to use that wisdom and find my voice today. And hopefully, again, we'll um, be able to write what will speak to people and offer them more inspiration and encouragement. In
0: other podcasts that we've done, the concept of patience, has been talked about, that somehow as you go through the journey of writing a book and then getting the book out there and then having a desire to potentially write another book, you can't force the writing. It has to come when it flows through one. And we can try all different kinds of techniques to extract our writer's voice. But does this concept of patience, let's say, unfolding itself on the page, Does that offer any meaning to you? Is that
1: relatable? It's so relatable to me. Uh, You know, after my first book came out and it received such great acclaim and success and was so exciting. And, you know, I sort of rode that journey and, you know, had in the back of my mind book two and sort of felt as though I had to get it out, get it out, write it, write it. And you cannot force inspiration. As creative beings, if you're a creative person, you know uh, it's, it, takes, it takes time to be in the space in which to create. It takes pe- the people, the inspiration, and we are a little bit in control of that. I think, as we mentioned, we're so busy that we need to take time to step apart and tap into that inspiration, but we also have to be patient. When the time is right, it will be. And the most important thing is to always stay true to yourself. I think that sometimes if you force it, it will be clear that it is not your voice. And so the patience is essential in trying to write as your authentic self.
0: I think what's so powerful about what you're talking about is this concept of authentic self and letting the voice that's true to you come out as a mom, as a teacher, how do you encourage others to be true to themselves?
1: Hmm. I think it's about really feeling comfortable in your own skin. And I think especially as women, we so often want to appear as though we have it all under control, that we can be mom and wife, or we can be colleague and friend and sister and we can be everything and do it with a smile. It's a great Miranda Lambert song uh, that, Not My Mama's Broken Heart, that is beautiful if you haven't heard it. But it's, it's truly about that, that sometimes we just try to put the smile on. And the reality is that unless we identify who we are, this unique, amazing being that we are and our gifts and talents, you know, we won't really be able to, to live out as our authentic self. And that takes a little bit of soul searching Sometimes It's not always an, a comfortable proposition for people, but I think it is. And, and stepping apart is really that best first practice to be able to be quiet, to be able to sit with somebody who you believe has a bit of wisdom who can help guide you, I think is a really wonderful place to be. And I think as a writer, once you've written a book, sometimes there might be the feeling that you've got it all and you can just write and and you can feel some pressure too from people who are saying, where's that next book? Where's that next book? But sometimes we have to, again, just say the reality is that I have to be ready. And when you are then, then you have to keep going and not give in to doubt and not give in to worry, but just believe that the time is is right and your inspiration is going to be shared.
0: I think the concept of being ready is also a very interesting thing. Um, I've heard you as an inspirational speaker, I've heard you talk about the subject of the book, I've heard you talk about awakening to our full potential, kind of the God within us. And one of the very strong, clear messages that you've offered to other people beyond just the concept of joy and hope is that there's this concept or um, impetus for seeking out wisdom and guidance. And with that, you kind of led us into what piece of advice would you offer to a writer on the journey?
1: I think anyone who is a writer um, who wants to write, you first need to start writing. I think sometimes we worry as writers that we have to be read. Everything has to be in line in order to begin. I have to have the, the first amazing sentence. Instead, I would just suggest writing. Don't worry about it all making sense at first. It might be that stream of consciousness writing that we we read about, but just write and and seek somebody who can walk you through that process. Seek somebody who can read what you've written and give you positive or, you know, critique that will help you uh, to grow as a writer, don't be afraid of criticism. you know, don't be afraid of somebody being able to speak truth to you about the direction of your writing, and always 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 stay true to who you are.
0: I think twofold: one, beta readers do help other people, whether you call it a beta reader or not, whether you're in the film world, whether you're a songwriter, whether you're um, in any aspect of creativity. But ultimately, you can get 10 different opinions. And you can't necessarily run off and say, I'm going to change this or that. What you can do is say, this is a truth that must be told that's within me. And you could tweak you know, the flow or, or whatever feels, feels right. But I think as we birth different stories within us, the more we can write our own truth, And it takes time because you had talked about being comfortable in one's own skin, being open to critique along the way. I think it's getting so aligned with who you are as an individual that you're not afraid of what other people will think. Now, clearly, you know, there's some stories that um, have... uh, different layers within them of uh people overcoming things. But the guidance to be true to yourself no matter what age you're at is such a powerful thing. And I honor you for sharing that within your book. Are there any other messages that you want the listeners to really hear? In the desire to want to live from
1: a space of joy. I think you have to really live out your passion. Do what you're passionate about. Live out of a place where you are really living out the things that you love to do. I think so often we're trying to do things that make other people happy and we get lost in the shuffle. So I would really encourage people to tap into joy. Is really to say, what motivates me? What makes me psyched to get up in the morning? What makes me happy? What do I love to do? And start doing that. And surround yourself with people that will encourage you in that.
0: Yeah, there's so many times where we put aside things that make us perfectly happy. Like one example is, um, I love my morning cup of tea, and I consciously put a bird feeder outside where I can view it from where I have tea. And when that bird seed runs out and the birds don't come, I'm like, oh, wow. Just a simple act of seeing whether it's a bluebird or a cardinal come. But when we get busy, when we're going too much, we forget to stay in the moments of just being present. And what you talked about is do those things that make you happy. You know, life's routines get us off track. And I think two weeks went by and I said to myself, why don't I have any bird seed in there? Yes, the birds might come, but like I got too busy to even put the bird seed in the feeder that gave me moments of daily joy. It's the same thing with picking up your writing pen or opening a book. You don't have to have pages and pages and pages done. It could be one line, one inspiration or
1: something you read that starts your day. Do you use quotes for inspiration? I'm a huge, huge fan of quotes. Absolutely. And sometimes because we're so busy, we need those, those pieces of inspiration that are in small you know, spaces, so to speak. So a beautiful little quote, uh, some lyrics from a song that we just read, uh, perhaps, can be really inspirational for us. But yes, this is the way in which we stay inspired uh, in our day is just to find, um, and and going back to the writing, sometimes we feel like, okay, I'm sitting down to write a book. I think that's almost sometimes the wrong intention. You know, I'm sitting down to write and it could be anything, you know, and then it could become a book, but you don't want to, sometimes if we have the intention that it's going to be a book, it brings out a life that we're not really quite ready for. So write and just write, be inspired, find those pieces of inspiration for yourself. Uh, So much of our world is not inspiring, uh, that the world that comes at us from so many of our different outlets, and we have to kind of sometimes really seek out and find those inspirational stories, find those inspirational people, and be reminded uh, of that hope and of that joy. Uh, I think it's really important for us to do that.
0: I like the idea of writing, not only because you feel you have something to say, but don't write it from the attitude of, okay, I'm writing this because it has to be in my book. Because there may be pieces of what someone writes that never go in a book, that never get into film, that never get in a TV script, but it opens up something within ourselves. It's like um, stepping on a path, right? A brick walkway. You don't automatically get from the start to the end, you walk through it. And I think the writer's journey is like that. You're walking through to a space within yourself where creative consciousness lives. And I'm curious what your thoughts are using this analogy of a brick walkway. Did you walk yourself to the space of where you're at
1: to finally come to the completion of this book? I did. I did. I, I had people who supported me um, and really encouraged me. Even when my voice was saying, I'm not ready to do this, there were people that encouraged me that said, this is a message that really needs to be shared. And so it is sometimes like walking along that path and, um, and, and taking a step forward each time. I always encourage, I've, I've worked with some writers and, and guided writers um, as a coach and an editor and I've said to many people, you know, you have to just keep writing. And don't worry so much if it if it makes a whole lot of sense right now. Um, but we can get we can get it there, <laughs> but you, you need to be writing constantly. And and just to add, something just came to my mind. I was listening to an amazing uh interview with Sam Smith. He's that amazing British songwriter and singer, and he was talking about his new album, and in writing those songs, his sister was his biggest critic. He's, he lives with his sister and was very, very close to her through the writing of his new album. And he said his sister would come to him and say, oh, that's terrible. That song is terrible. Now, who tells Sam Smith this song is terrible? But, but she did. And he, as, as successful as he is, was able to be confident enough in himself to say, okay, I trust that. We'll throw that one out. And to move on. I think there's a certain humility that we need on this path to be able to say, all right, I am going to do this, and I'm going to need some critique, and, and I'm probably going to have to listen, you know, to some pretty uh, tough critiques. But but all of that is going to, you know, lead me to that that end. Susan served
0: as a copy editor on my book, The Art of Self Transformation, and when she did a read through and provided me feedback, it ties in line with what we were talking. Because you can't, in the editorial process, be so attached to your words. And one of the things that was so helpful for me that an editor provided at that time was a different way of maybe looking at some of the use of words. Because we write how we talk, right? And we write monologues in our own head. And sometimes in that connection point with other people, there may be words that are common to our own internal monologue that no one else may know what the heck you're talking about. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I found the concept of sharing one's work with someone else. uh, You did such an incredible job. And then I sought out another perspective um, as well because it's different people that honored my voice, that didn't try to strip out me, Laura, the writer, the experiences. And that's what I think you do so beautifully in your book. You're not stripping out Susan. It's Susan, the writer, sharing her experiences. And the reader's interpretation is up to them.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, life in essence is a collaboration, you know, we collaborate with people on a lot of different things. And, and the writing, you know, is, is no different than that. We have to collaborate. We need people to, to look at things. It's like when I was a dancer when I was really young and my mother said th- throughout the entire recital, I had my tongue sticking out. I had no idea. I had no idea that I was dancing through the entire recital with my tongue sticking out. You know, it's the same idea with writing. We just all have these little habits that sometimes are, you know, need to be mentioned to us. You know, it's a word that we overuse or we always start a sentence in a certain way. And like you mentioned, we're so close to it that we can't always look at it uh, from the perspective of, oh my goodness, I use this word a lot. So we need somebody to to help guide us and collaborate with us.
0: It's, it's writer's habits. In my case, um, you know, I've evolved, but you brought awareness to my overuse of the word so, like, so it is. So we are united. So we are one world. So we are consciousness. Well, it was, it was very fascinating because once you have awareness, like any situation, you grow, you evolve. And let me tell you, you know, you change because of that. Your writing habits change. And one of the things I think that's so powerful about the writer's journey is just getting that truth out. A good editor can help you organize it, can help you with the use of language, but you've got to get whatever that
1: aspect of yourself that needs to come out has to come out. It does, and and you do really need that guidance. And even, you know, we've been fortunate in our area that you have hosted some amazing writer's workshops. Uh, Even that, you know, finding something where you can talk with other writers get the experiences that that they've had as well and find good editors, find good people that coaches that can help you uh, through that process. If you want to write for publication, you need to have some guidance. You know, you need to, I did, Laura, you did, we, we all do as writers. Nobody can, can do it all themselves. And so I think being able to find somebody that can help you on that path is going to be the best, best choice you can make as a writer. And also not getting so
0: attached to every single thing you write, right? Because it's like anything, um, there's things that fit, there's things that might go to the wayside, and I think it comes back to honoring that truth within you. So Susan, tell us, how can people learn more about you, joyful journey, sacred pauses with God,
1: have you on as their inspirational speaker because you have inspired me today. Thank you, Laura, so much for having me today. Absolutely. People can contact me on my website, Susan I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram. So you can contact me in lots of different ways. And um, I'm thrilled to come out and speak to your group, your organization to come and talk to your uh, group of writers Uh, to help in your editing process. uh, I'd be happy, happy to share my journey uh, with with others. So in the spirit of
0: writers supporting writers, you can listen to this podcast and find out more about me at lauraponticello.com and divinephoenixbooks.com. You also can help push out the messages of transformation and the writer's creative journey by rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Laura.